0: Hi. How are you? I'm doing all today, you know. Very, like we said, it's very sunny out. It's very beautiful. You know, hopefully today's going to be a good day.
1: Very nice. And whereabouts are you based?
0: Uh, I'm in the United States in uh, Hartford County, Maryland.
1: And do you enjoy living in the United States?
0: I love it. It's, you know, I know that some of the stuff here can be controversial, but it's great to live in, you know, it's great to live in this country. I love it.
1: What's your favorite thing about living in the U.S.?
0: Living in the U.S., just there's so many different people here, especially in the neighborhood I grew up in. You know, it's just, you know, living in. We have people that are from Europe. We have people that are from India. There was a Sikh family on my street, you know, um... Just the different religions you know islam judaism christianity it's just you know beautiful seeing everybody come together like that you know from so many various backgrounds just trying to do the same thing and just live life
1: yeah i completely agree i live in london and i think it's a very, very similar vibe actually lots of different cultures and communities and everyone's very accepted which is nice so um Matt, thank you so much for joining this podcast. Of course. Um, I am really excited to hear a little bit more about your mental health journey. And I'm sure that lots of people listening to this today will be able to hopefully take something away and will hopefully help whoever's listening to this feel a little less alone right now. So I think the best way to start this conversation would be to ask you what is it exactly that you experience um, from a mental health perspective and what has that journey been like so far?
0: I think for me it's better because a lot of stuff, it happened gradually. So I'm going to kind of start with when it first started. I've struggled with my mental health. I want to say we first started probably when I was about six years old. Um, That's when me and my mom really found out that, you know, he's I struggled in school a lot. I was very emotional for someone my age. And um, we did psychomotor testing and they figured out I had ADHD and um, I have an autism spectrum disorder. And then life kind of went through, you know, until I turned about 16 when I first really suffered my major bout of depression. And I didn't know what depression was at the time. I mean, we all know what depression is, but we never, you know, say that, oh, we're depressed. to the point where I was just like in class, sleeping all the time. I didn't want to go do extracurricular activities. I didn't I didn't really want to do anything. And then they figured out eventually it was the medication that I was on and I felt better. And then when I was eighteen I became a firefighter. And from a young age I was exposed to a lot of things that an 18 year old didn't necessarily need to see. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff on fire, people's homes, and then I also did the medical side of it. Um I uh I worked on the ambulance. You know, seeing um seeing my first, you know, deceased victim when I was 17, you know. Um just really going through that and I'm not a firefighter anymore because I have a PTSD diagnosis. Okay. And that's really spurred quite a bit of things. After I left the fire department, when I turned 19, I either turned 19 or I just turned 20. um, I started experiencing suicidal thoughts for the first time. And when I was 19, I started struggling with Sudol Farm for the first time. Yeah. And from the longest time, I didn't want to get help because it's... In this country, it's very stigmatized, especially where I live in Maryland. There's not a lot of um resources for it. Yeah. So, you know, and just the thought of what it would do to my mom and, you know, how she would react to telling her that I cut myself, you know, it's just, I didn't believe that I needed it until it got so bad to the point where I tried, I made a suicide attempt And I started going to occupational therapy, not occupational therapy, group therapy, my apologies. And um, Mm -hmm. that was going really well. And I actually started a relationship with one of the girls there who who unfortunately passed away in January. Mm -hmm. And I've also, in that class, we started with about 12 people and there's only about nine of us alive right now. Wow. And um, that kind of brings me to where I'm at now, where I still struggle with it. But I decided to create my blog. I decided to create a blog shortly after Gwen died in hopes that, you know, maybe maybe I'm not alone with what I'm going through. Yeah. And that's how I discovered the mental health community on Instagram. And that's kind of how I got to where we're at right now.
1: That's amazing, what a journey. Um, I'm interested a little bit about the comment you made um, with your mum and how you didn't really want to speak to your mum about it. Is that because your mum wouldn't have supported you in the way that you'd have wanted her to or because she genuinely just couldn't have dealt with knowing that her son potentially has depression?
0: It's it's not that I didn't think she would believe me. It's that I was raised by her as a single mom from the yeah. time I was one years old to the time I was 13. And, you know, that was, you know, my mom was my everything during that time. And, you know, to, to you know, it's when I laid down in the bed that day, the day I decided that I was going to kill myself, you know, it's all I could think about was my mom. You know, and how am I going to tell her that, you know, that no child, you know, nobody should have to deal with suicidal thoughts, but I don't think any mother should have to, you know, just the fact that I was going to have to walk up to my mom and tell my mom, mom, I feel like killing myself that, that, that went against, you know, everything I stood for, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do that to her. She'd done too much for me.
1: Yeah. So. Do you think it was your mom that got you through that moment when you were laid there thinking, "This is it. I've had enough." I'm yeah, so, was it, must, mom that got
0: it was my mom, and it was a couple other people, but definitely my mom was a lot. I remember so actually, it's um, it's pretty important. The day before Mother's Day, so literally tomorrow will be the one year anniversary since my um, since the day I decided to kill myself and then mother's days the day i told my mom i felt like i needed to go get some help and we uh we went to a hospital and they um they got me on the on the steps to hopefully start getting a little bit better
1: amazing so you are part of the group therapy still
0: i don't do it anymore so mine was a um intensive outpatient program and we met each other through for three hours four days a week and um it's like it's kind of like a three-month program and uh that was that was back um kind of late last year late middle of last year and now I visit um with a one-on-one therapist every week
1: okay and do you have any other form of um, treatment sorry medication or is it purely I
0: do I do take medication um I take hydroxyzine. I also take Effexor and Cyprexa because of the PTSD side of things. Um, yeah. So my uh, the official diagnosis they gave me is major recurrent depressive disorder with um psychotic features.
1: Okay, do you mind just explaining that a little bit more because that's actually something so, that I've not heard of.
0: So mine is like, they were like, I got hit with so many things at one time, just general depression. And then also dealing with the trauma of being a firefighter. Mm. You know, more recently, Gwen passing away. And then two of my friends killed themselves. And um, it, you know, its I, it wears down on your mind, you know. It starts to put cracks in the armor, you know. And that was another reason why I struggled to get help for the longest time because I don't feel like people that are mentally healthy and that have better accesses to resources than me could fathom hearing stuff that's not there, you know? Yeah. And so basically major re- major recurrent depressive disorders is like a major depressive episode is usually anything that lasts anywhere from three months to it could be three years, you know? But with mine, it, it keeps coming back so like it'll be it'll be one it'll be like let's say I'm depressed for three weeks then you know the next two weeks will be the best two weeks of my life and then it happens again you know so it's one of those things
1: and when you say um the best two weeks of your life what will you experience in those two weeks that is (sighs) different to the other times
0: I feel normal, you know. I yeah. feel like any other person that I would imagine doesn't. you know everybody struggles with their mental health somewhat, but I would imagine it's people that, you know, just don't really have to deal with their mental health. You know, I get up in the morning, I go to work, I run, I, don't, yeah. you know, I do anything yeah. any normal American, you know, young adult my age would do. And, You know, my depression's almost like a cold, like you don't really or like a headache. You know, you don't really you don't really know that you have a headache, but like you just like, you know, an hour or two passes and you're like, you know.
1: And when those periods of depression come and you can feel it coming on, is there anything in particular that you do to try and not stop it? But reduce it when it when it comes along, and kind of reduce the symptoms that you have in those periods.
0: You know, I write on my blog quite a bit. I try to, you know, express those emotions outward. You know, instead of just because what's nice about it is all those people on that page or most of them experience the same thing I do. But it's not like I can just you know trauma dump to a friend and be like, hey. I feel like killing myself today. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's you have to you have to do it in a healthy way, and I know some people do it. I just try to know that you know this isn't gonna last like this forever, because obviously I'll have those two three weeks where things are amazing. So it's not like it's gonna, you know, this will pass eventually, and with every battle we get stronger. You know
1: yeah absolutely. I think that's so important isn't it to to recognize like to you know yesterday I had such a an awful day. I didn't do anything all day. I felt so unmotivated and it's so easy when you're in that place to get in a in a rut and get in your own head, but I think like you said it's it's important to remember that it's, that is just A period of time and it it will pass and just because you're having a bad day it doesn't mean that you've got a bad life and that mentality definitely changes everything but I imagine it's taken you quite a long time to get to a place where you're able to think like that when you're having these depressive episodes to see the light because so many people can't see the light
0: it does, because that's what that's kind of what depression does. Is it lies to you? It brings you to a very, a very dark place, and it it, it it's almost comforting because it it kind of tells you it's okay. You're supposed to feel like this, you know. Yeah. And it can only take one second of hope to bring somebody out of that dark place, you know. At my job. After my friend Ryan killed himself, this was a month after Glenn passed away. Depression had pretty much won. You know, It got me back to when I was laying in my bed. I decided I'm gonna go to work today. I'm gonna say goodbye to everybody. I'm gonna say goodbye to the one place that made me feel happy. And whatever happens, happens. You know, my manager at work could tell something was drastically wrong. He suggested that maybe why don't we try and get some help, you know, together. And he gave me a hug. And in that one second, I felt like things might get
1: better. Yeah. Because you had one person, I guess, who actually believed in you and believed that you could be okay again. Yeah. I think when you're in that place, it's easy to assume that you will be like that forever and that's definitely how i felt when i've been in those periods of my life it's you feel like nobody else is possibly experiencing what you're going through and that's why these conversations are so important because there are one would be listening right now who has the exact same symptoms as you experience the exact same things in life and they're listening right now and they see that you have seen the light and and although yes, you're not a hundred percent good all of the time, but you know how to manage when it it does get bad again, and not turn to suicide, which which could have happened, and and you've you've really turned your life around. And I'm interested to know for anybody that's listening right now you spoke about obviously therapy um and the meditation that you're on and your blog but is there anything else that you think is number one like sorry like top top five things Mm -hmm. that really help you at moments when you're really really struggling
0: i was um you know one of the girls at work that i've become close to her and her boyfriend few days ago, I was suffering from a real depressive episode, and they were really worried about me. They picked me up and took me to their house, and I stayed with them. So, I would probably say them, you know, Mark and Maggie, they're they're awesome people. Yeah. The second one is probably um, just, I know this isn't really, like, a physical thing, but I would just say communication with other people, definitely. You know, knowing that I'm I'm in this state right now, so I may not Respond, react uh, normally, how normal. I don't want to say normal people because realistically nobody is 100% normal, but the general population would react yeah. to certain things. Um, number three would probably be um, just getting outside and, you know, trying not to stew in the same area, you know, because when we ruminate on things, that's how we start to put cracks in. And, you know, our walls and put cracks and those thoughts start seeping in. Um. Number four is just trying to build relationships with those people that you do have. Because, yeah. you know, we, we find out when we're truly depressed and I truly found think that the people that love you no matter how you're feeling that day are going to be the ones that get you out. It's not entirely on them to get you out of it, but they can fight and can help you. And yeah. Five would probably be just the thought of if I'm truly feeling like I'm suicidal, it's okay to say that. Yeah. It's it's really, I, I think people are scared because, I mean, being on suicide watch is dehumanizing to begin with, but it's it's, it's there to help you.
1: So when you say suicide watch, can you explain a little bit uh, more about what that
0: title kinda how in Harford County does it especially in Maryland? It's it's I forget what the exact title of it is. It's almost like an observation. So when I first went to the hospital, they checked me in, they take all your clothes and they give okay. you in paper scrubbed, so you're pretty much naked in front of everybody. It's it's wow. not fun, and you have all these people that you've never met before that you never know, and you have to reveal some you know, most intimate parts of your life to them. And they draw blood, and they you know they're doing all these tests and asking you all these questions, and you know they. Trying to get to the bottom of what's going on, and they keep you there every night. You know, they have to watch you go to the bathroom. There has to be a person standing there at the desk in the doorway watching you sleep. You don't get any sleep because they're always coming in the room to check on you, you know. Damn. The blankets are really thick, so you can't tie them in the knots, so you can't hurt yourself. And, um, you know, just. You feel alone you know
1: and and how long were you in the hospital for was it i was in the hospital there? i was in the hospital for one day one day and then what happens after you've been in the hospital they try the their dis- best
0: to they do discharge you they also try their best to give you resources and come up with a treatment plan okay. so with me they set me up with the intensive outpatient therapy. And um and uh, we'll hopefully get you, they I'm with a nurse practitioner that prescribes medicine right now. They set me up with her. Luckily, where I'm at in Maryland, we have such a good medical system. We um, actually have there's a department in one of the hospitals in Hartford County that has a behavioral health unit that has psychologists and psychiatrists and nurse practitioners that specialize in mental health.
1: Amazing, so you so you were you were able to get the care that you needed from that suicide watch experience, even though that experience was not great sounds boring, yeah like. it's i mean that sounds terrible what like what do you remember what you were feeling at that time alone, yeah
0: you don't
1: and i'm i'm interested actually because i don't believe that's something that we do in the uk it's and not to that extent so i'm interested to know was anybody actually there to talk to you in they
0: had life? they had a therapist come in but i don't think she really cared
1: You know, I think they're just
0: there to decide. Okay, should we keep him or should we hospitalize him? Or you know, she she didn't really ask me necessarily how I was feeling. She's like, oh, well, do you really want to kill yourself, or do you just not want to feel the way you're feeling right now? I want to kill myself because I don't want to feel this way anymore. You know, there's.
1: That's the same thing, isn't it? And it I think is. that's so disconnected and almost humiliating when you explain that they put you that you were pretty much naked, exposed in front of people that you don't even know.
0: Oh yeah. And
1: then you're also having to explain how you're feeling, which is hard anyway. Probably the reason why you wanted to commit suicide is because you didn't want to have to talk about what you were feeling. So that's terrible and do you think there's that is there is a problem in the u.s for is is the mental health system good or do you think it could be improved
0: it could be improved a lot it could be improved a lot you know there's actually a situation going on straight right now where i am um, his name was Jordan Neely. He was in New York City. It's a man that was okay. struggling with his mental health. He had his he had been diagnosed with PTSD. He saw his stepdad kill his mother. And I forget how old he was. Like he was either in his late twenties or his early thirties, but he was on a train and he was suffering with a mental health episode and he said he was homeless. He said, you know, he said, I have nothing to drink. I have nothing to eat. I need a job. He's like, I'm fed up. And he threw his coat on the ground. And another passenger put him in a chokehold for 15 minutes and he passed away. And you know, seeing seeing all the people on the news react and saying, well, you know, he could have hurt somebody. He you know, was acting aggressive. But I don't think that's the case. You know, that, that, you why know, don't we? Why don't we focus right. on the main root of the problem is he was struggling with his mental health and yeah. he was unchecked so, you know, especially yeah. I, I, I think I have it a little bit easier, you know even I had a significantly rough childhood growing up, but there were kids mm-hmm. you know down the street from me that made my life look like Disneyland. you know, and um they they don't struggle with their mental health as much as I do. So I'm like so it's it's one of those things where I'm like, why well, don't I wish we would find a way that it's unique to everybody, not just to the one you know, that that percentage of people that they want to diagnose and that yeah. they've come up with the formula for it's it's it makes me sad to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, no, it's so true. I think ultimately anybody can suffer with a mental illness. It doesn't matter what your background is or how much money you have, it's all irrelevant because it's the experiences that you have. And equally, that experience is unique to you. So what somebody else could experience, maybe all of the things that you, not you specifically, but another person experiences, and never get a mental illness. But then another person experience something similar and be completely crippled by mental illness. And I think there's so many different factors that affect whether or not you get a mental illness. And like you said, it's it's unique to everyone. Um, And it's it's a huge problem um, all over the world, I think, where people are ignored or they're just labelled things or they're just given medication or seen as aggressive um, for for having a certain disorder and in, a, in actual fact these people just need to be listened to and also need to be put on the correct treatment plan because yeah it's not enough to just have medication and on its own I don't personally think that you need um, do I. you need further intervention you need to That's understand right. the person get to the deep root of the problem um, and yeah i I think ultimately that's the reason why a lot of these disorders never really um get the attention that they deserve and that people can't fully recover because Mm -hmm. it's just masked in in the end
0: people can get i know that's another point that i like to bring up is just how everybody's different you can be traumatized by by anything you can get traumatized by seeing something violent. You can get traumatized by a verbal altercation. You know, it. Cody Alford had a quote where he said, "It doesn't. It doesn't matter how you broke your arm. The fact is, you broke your arm, and it sucks."
1: Yeah, that's it, and it's so true. And there's so many. Um, there's so much around experiences when we're children. You know, there might be experience when you do, You don't even remember as a child you were knocked over and at the time that was a really traumatic experience for you and then you grow up fearful and anxious and it might all be to do with that one time when you were knocked over in the playground as a child and and that's the thing we all respond to things differently and our brain especially to to events um, can become traumatized by anything like you said it's it's dependent on the person so i think one of the one of the sort of final questions that i want to ask you which i think is is really important because obviously you've been through this incredible journey and you're here today thankfully um if there's somebody who is listening to this who might be feeling like you did at one of your lowest points if you could be you now. What, what would you say to that person?
0: I'm just glad you stuck around. You know, you you made it through 100% of your where stays up till that point. You know, you fought and you fought and you fought and you fought and you made it. You made it to where you're at now.
1: You know, amazing. I've been,
0: you know, we, we're everybody who struggles with their mental health. They're fighters, you know. And I'm just glad that I, di- I didn't give up.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you didn't give up because you wouldn't be having this conversation I today. I wouldn't be having
0: this conversation exactly. I yeah.
1: Be able to help
0: others. Yeah, you know, just even on my blog, you know, just hearing all the people. You know, I have fans that are in Israel now. And just wow. hearing them, you know, even on the other side of the world in the Middle East, you know, just respond to my page and be like, I I feel this, you know, I struggle with this too. And
1: so I think for for some of the listeners today, it would be really cool if you could maybe tell us a little bit about this blog, how they can access the blog. Oh my blog. And yeah
0: it's it's on instagram it's kind of a personal page but i also do stuff where i interact with people it's um called at let's stress together with periods in between so let's period stress period together
1: on instagram amazing and what do you think would be the the dream goal for this page Obviously, you're just starting out. But have you got any sort of vision in mind at all where you see it going?
0: Even if, even if that one person reads a page? Well, it's not. Let me backtrack for a second. When I first created it, I decided that I was going to do what I was so afraid to do in that house, And I was going to reveal some of the rawest, most intimate parts of my life to... Some people I know follow the page, some people I don't know follow the page. But I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna reveal that and I'm gonna be open with people and maybe, you know, maybe more people will start to understand. And then the first comment I got, or somebody was like, I struggled with this today too. It completely changed everything. I was like, this is important. Yeah. This is important.
1: And I think, you know, the whole point of, of the dose community and sharing stories as well. When when you first start out, it's it's often just a little, you were probably a bit of a diary, or just somewhere to just put That's all your kind of what it out. is
0: at point. But I also I did a post where it was um women's advice for men's mental health, and just getting to talk with everybody and seeing everybody's viewpoints on it and everybody commenting. I was like, this can be something. So if I try.
1: And yeah. when you were doing the women's advice for mental health, did you speak to so did you go out and speak to other women and ask them what their advice would be?
0: I did Okay. You
1: know? And I can asked... you think on the top of your head right now of of one piece of advice? I know I'm asking you on the spot, but
0: Um, it's okay to cry. That's one of the yeah. big ones that I thought and it's, you know, you're doing just fine and it doesn't make you any less of a man to be emotional. Do you cry? All the time. Good. No, I feel I... like
1: crying's a it's a part of healing. And I think it's just you've just got to just let it happen. You never feel bad after a cry.
0: Never. Ever. When when Gwen passed away, all I wanted to do was lay in her lap one more time and just cry because me and her would do that once in a while. I literally laid on my mom's couch and that was the first time since January. This was a month after she passed away that I just let everything I felt like the world was lifted off my shoulders. And that was kind of the that was around the time where I decided, no way. Um I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bottle this in anymore. I'm gonna create my page, and I'm gonna, even if you know nobody looks at it, I know that I'm getting out of it. I'm not having to put it in, and not having to go to anybody, and trauma dump on anybody, and I'm gonna. This is gonna be a healthy outlet, you know. Yeah. And just some of the stuff I've talked about on there. I've talked about, you know, my struggle with self harm, you know. Um, I remember I did one post where I was talking about, you know, just childhood trauma, you know, and, you know, I did a whole post, I did a project for a whole week where it was Gwen's birthday, everything was about how Gwen affected my mental health and how her death affected my mental health and just grieving. And
1: yeah, I mean, grief is a dragon. I haven't really spoken about at all with anybody yet on my page but it's it's so important because we all will lose people close to us in life oh, yeah it's inevitable so yeah I mean I guess another obviously this person mean meant a huge huge amount to you and January wasn't so far ago really um in the grand scheme of things so i'm I'm assuming that you're feeling a little bit better today. We're in may
0: today, a little bit better, but i'm I still miss her every day yeah every day
1: how <clears throat> how do you- how do you grieve in a healthy way?
0: I talk about her all the time,
1: yeah you no know, uh.
0: I don't, I had a really good conversation with somebody and I realized that I don't, I don't have to get over it. You know, we, there's, it comes a point where we have to let go of certain things, but I don't think I'll ever, I'll ever have to get over it. You know, I think that's 15 years later down the road in positive ways, getting over it will help me stronger. Yeah being able to talk about Gwen and, you know, cause some people just tell me that, oh, it's, you know, it's been, it's May, it's time to start getting over it. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to get over it. That's how I keep her alive. You know, I talk about her. I talk about my friend that killed himself, you know, yeah. um, I, I talk about them all the time because that's how, that's how I keep them alive. That's, that's how they, I show that they have, even after they passed away they're doing things to help me
1: yeah exactly and I think the thing with grief um is that it's a journey you know you're gonna have days where you're probably gonna miss them so much and it feels unbearable. and then there's probably gonna be days where you think about them a little less than the other day still think about them a lot but I guess it's hard when you spent so much time with someone that you're constantly reminded of that person yeah, like I'm, um, it can be as
0: simple happen. it can be as simple as going into the grocery store and knowing this is the pasta she bought mm. and even simpler, mm. sometimes I wake up to get water in the middle of the night and I just simply miss her
1: <laughs> um, it is hard it's very hard it's pretty really hard. And you have a support network around you now. Obviously, she was a huge support network for you, it seems. Um, So do you have people around you? Like, how many people do you think have around you now that are are supporting you?
0: Probably like two or three. Strong
1: two or three people. Yeah. And that's interesting because doesn't that go to show that it's the quality oh, yeah. of the people that you have around you as opposed to the quantity?
0: Because I had, I had friends decide that they didn't want to be friends with me anymore because they're like, "Matt, you're putting too much on us right now." And, you know, I just felt so alone, and I was—I wanted to die again. You know, and that's when. I got a text in the middle of the day one day that just said, I'm eating your favorite food and thinking about you. And that, you know, just that person wanted to talk to me. They wanted me to know, you know, how are you doing? And you that not everybody's going to be good for you. And they're going to, some people are going to walk away, but that one person that stays is going to make the whole
1: difference. Yeah absolutely i mean that must have been really hard to hear someone say to you that you're putting too much on us right now yeah.
0: it was horrible because you know it's it's not my fault i have an incurable mental illness you know it's not like you can just take a pill and it goes away You know, and unfortunately, you know, not everybody believes in therapy or, you know, mental illness and anxiety. Unfortunately, this was certain people in my life that didn't. They made their decision, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to let it, let it discourage me. I know that this is, this is real, you know, this is something that people, people struggle with.
1: Yeah. And... In terms of today, what does life look like for you? Obviously, you 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 are not a firefighter anymore. What you what what do you do for work? How have you sort
0: of store? So, unfortunately, my life isn't the most exciting, which makes me kind of sad. You know, a pretty normal life. You know. To go to work in the morning that's one of the things that helped me is just having that shirt that I get to work on. yeah to visit family as much as I can you know whenever I, whenever I get paid just, I on to go out and meet with friends you know definitely just speaking to my therapist every day you know me and her with some really good plans and you know working through it and um, that Some days are gonna be good and some days are gonna be bad, but I definitely do try. You now that I'm not in really that place that I was, I try to look at it and realize, you know, everything's horrible. You know, I'm going on a trip um, in two weeks, and I think that would be a really good reset for me, just getting away from everybody. Where,
1: Where are you going?
0: Going to New York City.
1: Very nice. Is that on your own or with friends?
0: Uh, me and my best friend are going. We um we actually went for just a single day back in September but this time we're really going to be able to visit the city and um you know just really enjoy everything get tattooed you know visit visit um visit some important cultural sites and well, just have a good time.
1: Well that sounds amazing um I hope you enjoy New York
0: oh, you deserve well.
1: it Thank and you. i love to you today, I've loved hearing more about your story, your experience, and I know that somebody listening to this right now will be able to benefit from everything that you've shared. So thank, thank you, you so much.
0: It was amazing um, getting to talk to you too. You're making a huge impact on this community here. I love your and I love what you're doing. You know, that's you. another thing where I saw the page. There was a girl. I think I think our handle on Instagram is Stephanie Mind Warrior that's her I followed her and you interviewed her and I looked at your page and I was like this is awesome I was like this is this is gonna be something cool thank you you're welcome I
1: feel exactly the same about your page so less stress together
0: yes ma'am
1: um on Instagram on Instagram everyone should definitely give matt a follow um and follow his journey as well and no doubt you will be doing amazing things of
0: okay. course
1: thank you so much and i hope to have you on the show in the future at some point Close. again okay